Welcome back to another episode of Standing Room Only, a long-awaited episode. I know we've been getting a ton of requests from fans, DMs, messages. When's the Season 2, Episode 3 going to drop? I know we've been keeping you guys on your toes, but uh, we got a lot to talk about this episode, so it should be a good one. Um, I'm your host, Matt Winatoy. I'm here with my co-host, Jason Simmons. Jay, what's going on in your life, man? Oh, just very busy. You know, I'll take the blame for uh, the lack of episodes coming out. I've been pretty busy the last few weeks, so I've been pushing Matt off. I'm just trying to avoid him, really. But no, good good to be here today and, and excited to talk about what's happening in the NHL. Yeah, for those that don't know, Jay's got a few jobs. He's got a lot going on, so uh, no worries there. We uh, Honestly, Jay, there's not much to talk about in the first quarter of the season anyways. We're kind of in that lull period, so... It's probably a good thing we don't bore our listeners with weekly content anymore. Yeah, and I think, you know, the last week, if we had put one out last week, we wouldn't have got so many good topics to talk about because there's been a lot that's happened over the weekend and it will give us some content for today. 100%. So let's dive right into it. You know, we've talked about this for, I guess, a few months now, the whole Jack Eichel saga and what was going on there. It's finally ended. Eichel was traded to Vegas, I think, a few weeks ago. We're not exactly breaking the news on this pod, but we're going to review and kind of give our takes as to, you know, what the fallout from this trade will be. But, um, Jay, yeah, I'd love your thoughts on kind of the move for Vegas itself. I don't think this was surprising, per se, because they had always been in probably one of the top two or three teams to potentially land them. But do you think this makes them cup contenders? And do you think Buffalo got a good return, you know, for the Eichel deal? Yeah, I mean, if I think it was last episode that we talked about Vegas actually trading for Eichel. You brought it up, and my one hesitation was I just don't know if Vegas has enough to give up for him. But I think the name that we threw out there was Peyton Krebs, and he was the player to go the other way in the deal. So I think that's pretty good armchair GMing by the both of us um, to come up with that. Um, but, you know, going back to your question, I think... It was a great trade for both teams. I think Vegas gets that franchise centerman, young franchise centerman, one of the best, you know, in hockey. And Buffalo gets a pretty good return for a guy that everybody knew wanted to get out of Buffalo, right? So I think it was a good win-win trade. Um, I think Vegas, yes, they'll still be contenders. This year they're battling a lot of injuries. Like, I don't think Eichel will even be back until maybe March or something like that, maybe. So I don't know if it will have much of an impact this year. But I think, you know, moving forward, I think they have most of their guys locked up for a long time, like Petrangelo they signed a couple years ago and now Eichel, right? So I think for the next few years, we're going to see Vegas in the Final Four more often than not. Yeah, they're absolutely stacked. I don't know how they're able to bring in all these free agents, but, you know, kudos to them for keep taking swings. And it seems like they've got a roster that will be competitive for, as you mentioned, like years on out here. So hopefully they can bring home a cup. That would be so cool, just like as kind of a semi-Vegas fan, that would be such a cool, you know, cup parade and festivities if they won. But uh, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here. But Jay, what do you think about kind of how the situation unfolded? And it's kind of a unique situation where Eichel really had a lot of the power and a lot of the control and basically forced his way out of Buffalo. Do you think this will kind of be like the start of the player empowerment era where, you know, if a superstar is kind of fed up with his current situation, he'll basically just hold out until he gets traded? Or do you think this was maybe a one-off scenario that that isn't likely to arise again too often? No, I definitely think hockey is going that way. Um, I think players are getting more and more power, let's say, um, just because they're so valuable to a franchise, especially like a guy like Eichel, right? He could 
he could change an uh, organization just by going there. So I think teams have to respect that a bit now. Um, and we're definitely going towards the era of players dominating the power, if you if you so want to call it, um, in the NHL. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out too because there could be a couple players that are looking at this. It's like, you know, if you're playing for Arizona or you're playing for even Chicago, you may be thinking like, oh my gosh, I only have so many years left in my prime here. This isn't the place where I'm probably going to win. I might want to like shake things up. So it'll be interesting to see if that ends up happening. I wouldn't be surprised. And um, it makes the players and agents lives a lot easier than the GMs and owners. So who knows how that will look, but uh, if you know other leagues are any indication, that's probably the way things are going to go in hockey as well. But yeah, yeah, and also like I think a lot of it now is players are seeing that if a player speaks up or you know kind of throws a tantrum, they usually get what they ask for. So I think we're going to see that more and more, right? Like I think I saw yesterday Jake DeBrusque asked out of Boston. Um, I mean, he's not as big of a superstar as Eichel is, but. It's a similar thing. I think he got benched one game and it's like, oh, I'm out. Like, it's pretty much, it's not, I think it used to be, you know what, if I'm not playing, it's like, I'm going to work harder to, to, to play. Now it's, oh, I'm not playing. Well, I'd play somewhere else. So I'm going to just ask for a trade or whatever. Yeah. And like, put yourself in Eichel's shoes or like a superstar is fed up. Would you do the same thing? Like knowing you only have so many years to, you know, either win a cup or be in your prime and kind of contend. And you're on a team like Buffalo, you're on one of these kind of like basement dwellers, like, do you think you you would kind of do the same thing and hold out? Like, is team loyalty fizzling out, per se? Yeah, I think, so the Eichel situation's a bit different, you know, with the health concerns and, and him wanting to have a surgery that Buffalo wouldn't let him have. I think that's kind of where the disconnect came with Eichel and Buffalo. Um, but I look at a player like Clayton Keller, for example, who's a really good young player, but he plays for Arizona and they're terrible and they've been terrible since he's been there um, they never really give him a ton of good pieces to play with and you know it's always kind of a has-beens kind of group put together um, so I could see if I was in a situation like that where it's like okay I'm a good young player I really want to win but this team that I'm playing for isn't giving me the chance they don't have the financial means to really give us a chance to win then I'd maybe look at going somewhere else um, but again, I think the Eichel situation is a bit different. I think it was more so aligned with the um, medical stuff. I don't know if it was aligned with, oh, the team's not doing well. Yeah, no, I agree. The medical definitely played into it. I'm sure Buffalo played into it too. Like, to be honest, I don't think anyone wants to live there in their mid-20s. So going from Buffalo to Vegas, like, good for Jack. I'm sure he'll do well down there and, and uh, love the city a bit more. But, you know, moving on... Uh, I know there's been a few funny headlines. I, I don't want to say funny, but interesting headlines and suspensions in the NHL lately. We got to talk about, I don't know if you saw this, Jay, but is it Braden Lemieux or Brendan Lemieux? Yeah, I think Got Brendan. in a little, is it Brendan? Yeah. Gets in a scuffle with Kachuk. Can't really see much. They take it to the ground and then, you know, they come up and Kachuk is clearly pissed that the allegations were that Lemieux bit him. He ended up getting five games suspension for that, so there had to be some truth to it. But what were your thoughts on that whole debacle? Honestly, I'm I'm kind of on Kachuk's side in this. Like, I think biting a player in a little scrum like that has got to be the lowest of the lows you can do. Wasn't it? Didn't Brad Marchand? Did he bite somebody, or did he just lick someone's cheek a few years ago? So he so there's a video. He did both. He licked someone's cheek, but there's also a video of him in a scrum, and he bit someone's finger 
right. with their glove on. So Kachuk's was different. Like he went skin on skin there, but oh yeah, he um, he drew blood. So I mean, I think again, I think that's just the lowest of the low moves you can do in there. I I think five games honestly wasn't enough. They should have just given him fifteen, and then no one would be biting anybody. Yeah, honestly, yeah, it's obviously not very common, which is probably a good thing. But did you see Kachuk's comments after? I've never seen a player rip into you know another player as much as he did he basically went off saying nobody on his team likes him nobody in the league likes him he's a shit player he shouldn't be in this league and like just kind of like teed off on him uh did you see that at all yeah i did he pretty much just called him dumb right so i mean i think i don't think lemieux is the brightest guy out there and he has bounced around to some different teams i think so maybe some of those those points are more true but i think jonathan quick came out to defend Lemieux and said, you know, he's a great team guy and our team loves him and everything like that. But yeah, I don't know. I still don't know how you could back somebody who bites another guy in a, in a scrum. No, apparently it happened in junior too. I don't know if that's true or not. I saw an article saying that between them suspended. No, Lemieux biting someone in junior. Yeah. Not between them. That would have been wild. But, (laughs) um, but speaking of biting and suspensions, another guy who just got a little little slap on the wrist was Brad Marchand. Three games for, I think, slew-footing someone. But the funny thing, too, was like his little skerfuffle with Panarin. Did you see that, Jay, where they're kind of like face-to-face on the bench and Panarin just wails his glove off at him? Yeah, so I was actually watching that game, so like like live, and it was hilarious. And even the announcers were wondering, like, what I wonder what Marchand said to, to get him to act like that. But then it came out, I think, a couple days ago that apparently Marchand said to Panarin like nobody even in Russia even likes you type thing and Panarin <laughs> apparently freaked out about that so I don't know that's amazing yeah the yeah. fact that this was like a 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. start on a Saturday like I didn't think anyone would be that fired up any player would be that fired up for that game but that was hilarious to watch so I don't know I hate Marshawn but I also kind of love him for some of the antics he does like you never know what's going to happen with him on the ice, and it, it keeps it interesting for sure. Oh, yeah, he's definitely an interesting person to, to follow and watch. Um, I think as a Boston fan, you'd love him, but as any other fan, you hate him. So Yeah, no, I think guys. that's the way to put it. But, uh, yeah, as we mentioned, you know, we're almost a third of the way through the regular season here. Things are picking up. It's already December 1st as we're recording this, which is crazy, but... Any early thoughts, Jay, on any teams that have really stuck out to you? I know um, we're going to cover a couple teams that are maybe some surprising contenders and also some that just look lost. But any team that sticks out that you're a little surprised about their start and do you think they can keep it going? Yeah, I think we've we've talked about them. Uh, I don't know if it was last episode or the first one this year, but um, Detroit. Um, they're falling a little bit in the standings from where they were when we talked about them. But just the talent they have has really impressed me. Um, they're a really fun team to watch, and it honestly seems like Stevie Eiserman's doing this again, like doing the whole Tampa thing again, because if you look at how he built Tampa over those years and what they've accomplished over the last couple, um, he's doing it very similarly. Is that the right word? Similarly to, to that in Detroit. Um, building through the draft has always been a big thing for him, and you look at you know a lot of their guys in their, their system, I think, who is a Zadina... Cider and Edvinson are all, you know, in the last three years were like sixth overall. Raymond was a fourth overall. They got a 15th overall goalie, I think, last year. Like, they're just putting good pieces into their system and, and hoping they pan out in, you know, five years and 
altogether. And that's what Tampa was, right? Kucherov, all those guys, Point, um, Hedman, Sergachev, well, I guess they traded for him. But, you know, it kind of, they just drafted well and it, and it created a group that was very strong together. So I think they're doing the same thing in Detroit and they excite me quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. Stevie Y, I don't know if it's him himself or his scouting department, but that man's hit rate in the draft is incredible. Like, I swear every prospect Detroit has is like turning into like a young star. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, how good they'll finish the season this year. They seem to be in a bit of injuries and a lot of a few things going on, whether it's COVID or I think Larkin stepped away as well for a little bit. But um, all their young guys seem to be like firing and they're all like, you know, like 19 to 22. So talk about building a young core. That's going to be exciting watching them for the next few years. But yeah, I think the big the big thing with them is, you know, how are they going to handle some big contracts over the next year or two? I think Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi are both up at the end of next year, maybe or, or maybe this summer. Um, so, you know, that's going to be a, a big thing on Stevie Wise's list is to get good contracts to those guys, which is something he could do in Tampa a little easier because they don't have the income tax there. So guys tend to take a bit less there. So we'll see how he, he handles that in Detroit. But I think that's going to be kind of the, the big, you know, turning point, if you will, in that organization becoming very, very successful. No, for sure. It's kind of the Leafs debacle there, right? It's like when you have a bunch of good players around the same age with their contracts expiring at the same time. You kind of have to pay them market rate, but unfortunately there's going to be like four or five of those guys that are probably going to take up a lot of, you know, kind of like the brunt of the salary cap there. So it'll be interesting to see like how Stevie Y kind of works around that. And I'm sure he's already thinking about that like top of mind now, even though that's going to be like a 2024 issue. So yeah, I think um, Detroit's definitely got a bright future, but two other teams thinking about a bright future. Western Canada, Edmonton and Calgary, both look really good this year. I think, I'm not sure where they send the standings, definitely near the top, but what are your thoughts on them? I think they may be 1-2 actually in the Pacific right now. Yeah, I mean, you. I think you actually said Calgary, you liked them at the beginning of the year, right? Which I think is a bit of a, a dark horse. They're, they're a really good team. Um, I think they got one of the best coaches in the, the whole NHL in, in Suter and Edmonton, you know, we also talked about was going to be very strong this year. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me, especially in a Pacific division that is fairly weak. The one surprise to me there is Vegas. You know, they just haven't been. And again, we've talked about their injury. So that's probably the reason there. So I think those two teams are the strongest and they should be at the top based on, you know, again, the injuries in Vegas and the weaker division. Yeah. Appreciate the shout out on the prediction there. I, I was high on Calgary, but, you know, speaking on teams I was high on, I actually gave, you know, a Stanley Cup Finals prediction. And one of those teams was the New York Islanders. Right now, they're on an eight-game losing streak. They look lost. You know, their stars aren't performing. Farwamov's come back, and he's looked pretty tough. And, you know, just kick in that they have a week of games postponed due to COVID. What the hell happened there? Is that just a team that was kind of like, overrated coming into the season or are they just vastly underperforming expectations uh they probably were a bit overrated because i don't think they're actually that talented of a hockey team but they play the right way so i thought they'd be better i think we both had them i think i maybe had them going to the final four but neither of us and i don't think many people would have thought they would be you know bottom of the whole nhl ahead of just a couple teams right so i don't know what the problem is there um I don't want to give any spoilers away too much about my fantasy update, but 
I will be talking about one of their players in that segment, and uh, that might just shed some light onto why the Islanders aren't doing so well right now. So, little little teaser. Well, you know our listeners; they're only here for the fantasy talk. You know that we're we're both gurus in the industry, so everyone's rushing to the waiver wires to hear to hear your picks and stuff like that, Jay. But before we get to that segment, one other team we have to talk about. They're all in the headlines. We've given them a lot of coverage over the last six months, obviously, but it's Montreal firing Bergevin. I don't know where they sit in the standings right now, but it's not high. They're probably going to miss the playoffs. This could be, in a recent memory, one of the biggest falls from grace compared to going to five games in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. What happened with them? Is it just a case of kind of luck in the playoffs last year, getting hot at the right time? Is Carey Price missing time the sole reason that everything's kind of falling apart? Or what are your thoughts on that team? Yeah, I think, well, losing Price at the beginning of the year was, you know, huge for them. Like we saw in the playoffs, he's their best player, by far their best player. So without him, you know, you're, you're playing at a disadvantage. Um, another guy that I think doesn't get a lot of credit, and we talked about him a lot during the playoffs, and I'm a huge, huge fan of him, is Shea Weber. Um, he's also hurt for this whole year. He's their captain. So I think, you know, just losing those two guys alone would cause any team to probably take a, quite a few steps back. Um, and then, you know, they thought Caulfield was going to be a bit better than he was and, and all this. So I think it's just been a lot of things have gone wrong for them. But it's interesting, Bergevin, I think it was last year in the playoffs, had a quote where it was like, you know, the rebuild's officially over. And uh, clearly it's not, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just yeah. getting started there. That's going to be a rough couple years sliding for Habs fans. Like, yeah, they got some young, good players, but Caulfield's been bouncing around the minors a bit. And I think this is a testament. Jay, you can speak from your experience working in management, but having a good goalie completely changes the outlook of a team. And that doesn't change for the NHL. Like, if you have a top five goalie, you're going to be competitive. But the second that price kind of stepped off the ice, like things just went to shit there. And I think he's probably the biggest reason why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's the same as like in, in uh, football, right? If your QB goes down or something, usually your, your backup's not anything special. So uh, the fact that price, you know, went down and they got Jake Allen, I think as a backup who, you know, he's been a starter before, but he's not carry price. So it definitely hurts them for sure. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a good list of headlines that we covered there. Let's get to fantasy. I know everyone loves this segment. You know, Jay, who do you have? It's been a while since we've come out with an episode, so there's been a lot of hockey in a big window to choose from here. But who's your stud and who's your dud in terms of fantasy hockey right now? Yeah, my stud is a very big surprise to me. Um, He shot up the, the stats leaderboard, if you want to call it that. Um, and that's Nazim Kadri. And who would have known when he was on the Leafs as the third line grinder that he would now go to Colorado and be in, I think he's top five in points right now. So um, he's been unbelievable, uh, especially, I mean, you know, McKinnon coming back. I think McKinnon's back tonight, actually. Um, that's probably going to hurt Kadri a bit just with getting less ice and less opportunities on the power play probably. But um, he's been he's been so good lately that if you can get him in fancy or you have him, you, you have a stud for sure. Did you like him when he was with the Leafs? Uh, yeah, I liked what he brought to the Leafs. Um, I didn't think he was necessarily too talented at hockey. I mean, in the OHL, he was very skilled, always, right? Like, when the Leafs drafted him, they drafted him, I think, for his skill. 
Um, and then he kind of became a more gritty player. And I wonder if that's because I, the Leafs kept him in the minors for like four or five years, right? So I wonder if in the AHL he kind of learned, you know, I have to be gritty because I'm a little bit smaller to to really stand out in this league. Um, and he's carried that to the NHL. But it's it's nice now to see him. You know, he's playing with some good players, so that helps. But it's nice to see him doing really well with points. Yeah, for sure. How about you? It, Are you a fan of him? Uh, here or there. Like, I don't know. He's kind of like a Marshawn type player to me. It's like you love him on your team, but there's probably like one or two instances a year where you're just like, buddy, what are you doing? You know, whether it's a dirty hit or spearing a player in the playoffs, like he's kind of that type of character, but yeah. hey, you can't knock the season he's having, right? Yeah, and it sucks because what you, Leafs fans really remember are the couple incidences in the playoffs that hurt them quite a bit. Because that one year he got that suspension for hitting boss the was it debrusque actually i think in the head yeah it was um, yeah that was brutal like game five or something too yeah and he just was completely changed the series he was like doing really well that series like he was all over the place and agitating boston so i think that really hurt them like, you're right when he's like a marchand you want to have him on your team don't really want to be on the other team so yeah he weirdly would be a perfect piece for kind of what the leafs are trying to build too but hey that's not that's neither here nor there we won't bring up the leafs quite yet but um well, I'll Kerfoot, give my stud for yeah, Kerfoot oh, and Barry. Oh, Kerfoot. Yeah, that's that was a good deal for Kadri now. Ooh. Yeah, well, we'll talk about the Leafs in a bit, but uh, I got a little rant on the bottom six for the Leafs. I, okay. I have uh, I have some hot takes there, but that, that's for later in the episode. I'll give my stud right now. Good old Halliburton boy, Lindsey Wolf growing up, Matt Duchesne. Talk about a guy who's kind of re- revitalized his career, right? Um, He's kind of bounced around the league a little bit over the last couple of years, and he's having a great season with Nashville this year. He's on the first line. He's on the power play. He's averaging, I think, a point per game so far, and I think it might be sustainable. So he's kind of like one of those guys you could have gotten probably the last round of your fantasy draft who's putting up better points than some of the guys you got in the second or third round. So that's my stud. But uh, Jay, who's your dad? I know you you hinted at this. It may be a New York Islander earlier, but who do you have for us? Yeah, this is, I got him in my keeper fantasy league, and last year he was one of my best, and it's Matty Barzell. He just, he's one of those players that if he's not getting points, like, he's actually useless for your team. And he hasn't been getting points, and he's minus every night, and he doesn't get hits, he doesn't get shots, so he is just a huge dud for me. I think he's ranked, like, 500 and something right now, where at the beginning of the season he was ranked to be, like, top 50, so um, definitely hurting my team right now in my keeper league. Does this shoot him in the foot for the Olympic team? Like, is he not even in the running anymore? Or what do you think? Mm, yeah, I haven't actually thought about that. He might still be in the running, but I don't think he'll make it. The Canada's going to have a pretty good team, especially if you look at their centermen, um, which I don't know if Barzell can really play the wing too much. Um, they, have a, yeah. they have a lot well, that'll of good be, centers, so That'll be the big thing is, like, will they take, you know, kind of like priority positions, wingers for wing spots, or just best 12 forwards and kind of disperse them as is but yeah it'll be interesting to see kind of who they end up going with obviously the talent pool is so deep they could probably put two teams in the olympics and and both medals so um so i'll give you my dad here i went with a team hometown team i'll give you a little story jay it's the vancouver canucks so elias Pettersson, brock besser quinn hughes i went to a game about a week and a half ago Super excited. I'd bought tickets like a month and a half in advance. It was Vancouver, Chicago. At the time of buying the tickets, I thought this would be an electric game. 
you know, Kane, Taves, Besser, Patterson. I'm like, oh, this is great. I've never seen these guys live. This will be a really good game. The game ended one nothing Chicago. Vancouver got booed off the ice in the third period because they played so bad. And honestly, Chicago played brutal too. Like, Kane and Taves did nothing out there. Vancouver had like 16 shots on goal the entire game, zero goals. It was probably the worst live hockey event I've been to in the NHL for a long time. And that's going to a lot of Leafs games, you know, during those rebuilding years. So both those teams are rough. But I think anyone who rostered a Vancouver Canuck in fantasy is probably a little pissed off. I'm one of those guys. But yeah, I don't know if they're turning around. That season looks like it's heading for the dumpster really quick. Yeah, I don't know who the coach is in Vancouver. You might know, but he, I think he's got to be gone because he's got he's got to go. Yeah, like they I look think like they you don't have too much talent. Yeah, and they look like they don't want to be there at all. Like I get what you mean. Chicago and Vancouver would probably be a really boring game right now because <laughs> both yeah. teams look yeah, very so. unmotivated. So I know it's brutal. That's got to be one of the most frustrating positions to be in as a player is when you actually have a pretty solid squad, but you just are losing a bunch of games. Especially to who they're losing to, like Anaheim, San Jose, LA, like kind of these like middle of the pack teams. It's it's been painful to watch the start of the year, and who knows, the wheels may fall off there. Yeah, and I think someone like Quinn Hughes, honestly, is a bit. He's a very good hockey player, but he's a bit overrated, especially because he doesn't play defense at all. And they brought in Ekman Larson, who's another defenseman who doesn't play defense at all. So I think that's really hurting them. You got to have a strong decor and good goalie to really be a good team. Um, I think they like Demko is okay in net, but I don't really know if their defense is a defensive core. I think it's just a few more forwards out there, right? So, no, they brought in Luke Shen and Travis Hamonick to right. try and fix that over the last few weeks. So, we'll see how that goes. But those guys may be a bit past their prime there. But nevertheless, um, I think it's time for our believe it or not segment. This was pretty popular last episode. Jay, I have three takes for you right now. I want your uh, thoughts on each one of them and, you know, whether you believe it or not. The first one being, I was reading this article this morning. Uh, It was put out by CBS. It was an NHL Power Rankings article. Can you guess who the number one team was on that list? The whole NHL, the Power Rankings. Yeah. Best team in the league right now, according to CBS. Hmm, Let me just take a look here. Best team. That's tough. It was the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, come on. So that's my first take. I know. My first take is the Leafs are the most overrated team, and people are calling them elite, but this season is no different than last year. They're built for the regular season. They haven't done anything to improve their playoff chances. The Eastern Conference is probably as strong, if not stronger, than it was last year with teams like Florida and Carolina seemingly getting better. So my first take is that the Leafs, once again, will disappoint all of us fans and be a first-round playoff exit, believe it or not. I think they're making it past the first round this year. I'm going to say it. So I don't believe you. I'm not going with you. But I do think they are super overrated this year. Um, Yeah, they're playing well right now, and they have a good record. But they're a regular season team. Having that top-level talent, like that helps you in in the regular season. Having a full, balanced team, that's what you need come playoff time. So I do think they're overrated. I don't think they should be ranked number one in the whole NHL. But I have faith this year is going to be the first year they make it past the first round. And that's just because I think they'll probably have one of the best records. And they'll probably play, like, you know, the seventh or eighth place team in that side. Which, I mean, still will be probably a pretty good team. But I think 
the Leafs will get past that first round. Yeah, that honestly, they need probably the number one or two seed because if they match up with Florida, Tampa, Washington, or Carolina, I don't know if I feel confident betting the Leafs to beat any of those four. So that's already half the Eastern Conference playoffs right there. So who knows? But all right, next, believe it or not, I have for you, Jay. We're going to give a little Olympics edition here. So we kind of alluded to this earlier in the episode, but Canada's going to have a tough decision to make with regards to their forward group and who they bring along. So my hot take is Zach Hyman or Andrew Mangiapane will make the Canadian Olympic team. And the reason I believe this could be true is that they've done this in the past, whether it's including, you know, line mates with superstars in the case of Hyman, who plays well with McDavid. He plays in the power play with McDavid. They did this with Crosby and Kunitz for multiple Olympics, and it seemed to work out. But they also aren't scared to take guys who know how to play the actual position. Instead, just taking 10 centermen and putting them on the wing, you know, a Hyman or a Mangiapane, who are both having great seasons, could slot into a third or fourth line wing role pretty seamlessly. And in a tournament where it's like the Olympics, you only have like six games and you're done. It makes sense that it's less of a hurdle for, you know, kind of those guys to get over and learn a new position. What are your thoughts on that? Do you believe it or not? Yeah, I could definitely see Hyman making it, especially for a couple of those points you said. Um, They like getting kind of that grittier, let's call it, or puck hound, I like to call it, um, that plays with superstars. We saw Marshawn, uh, well, we saw actually Hornquist, right, play with Crosby for all those years. Um, and he did amazing things at the Olympics with them. So I could see a little McDavid Hyman action there. Ma- Magni and Pongi, or however you say his name. <laughs> I hope he's not on. I get <laughs> he's, he's good, good man. If you he's if you good. put him on, like you're taking out. Who are you taking out off that? I'm looking at a list right now. Tell me out of these forwards who you would replace one of those two guys with. McKinnon, McDavid, Marner. Okay. I think we're safe, safe to say all three of those guys should make it. No, no, you can't go with those three. Obviously. You got it, man. I would... No, I... No. Give me the list of projected forwards. So let me pull up okay, the roster McKinnon, here. McKinnon, McDavid, Marner. Marchand, Crosby, Bergeron. Those are locks. Hubert, yeah, Huberto, Point, Stone. What has Mark Stone done this year? He's been hurt all... He's been hurt. Do you need a pure goal scorer like that on the third line? Yeah, mate. I guess he's and a winger. he's got though. a little bit of grit What about... Him. A little bit. He's a big boy. Point's injured. Give me the fourth line. Who's on the fourth line? Tavares, Couturier, and Stamkos. Okay, there it is. Stamkos should not be on the Olympic roster, in my opinion. Like, I don't know what he's done to really lock up a spot there. I think he's kind of riding on a success, you know, a few years ago. and He looks decent with Tampa, but he's also given every opportunity to succeed on the best team and the best offense there. Um you know, a lot of his productions due to Point and Kucherov and Hedman on the power play. So, honestly, like, why not Team Canada get spicy? Take Mangiapane, cut Stammer, let's bring the young guys in. And, like, you know, I don't think it's going to be, like, the deal-breaking decision on winning gold or not. So, I'm all for it. But it's, it could be a hot take, so we'll see what happens there. Oh, it's, it's definitely a hot take. I don't think when we originally were talking about the Olympic roster, I don't think he either of those names would have been in the conversation. So definitely a hot take, but I, I could see one of them sneaking in. I don't know about if I agree with you saying what Stammer done. I still, I think I looked at it last year and I want to, I'm trying to pull it up right now, but there was a, I think last year he was still the best goals per game 
out of any active player in the NHL. Even more than Ovi. And that's because he's been hurt so much that he hasn't scored. So I still think he's a pretty good player. But do you need a goal scorer on your fourth line? That's exactly it. It's like, who do you you match with the Ovi line in Russia or, you know, Sweden's first line? Do we want Stamkos out there trying to score? Like, probably not the best matchup. Um, I don't know. I think... I'd probably say McDavid, the best hockey player in the world, would probably match up against... You think so? Just go best versus best? I would. McDavid... He is the best hockey player in the world. There's no question about it. I'd put him out there and just let him skate around with the puck so that Ovechkin can't shoot at all. Yeah. Who would you play him with? Well, if Zach Hyman's there, maybe him. Absolutely. All right. So you believe the take. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. All last right, I'm one. In. I'm in. Last one. This one's yeah. really spicy, and I don't know how I feel about actually saying it out loud here, but this one will hit home for all those, you know, kind of our age, mid-20s who grew up watching hockey. But I think an interesting storyline this year is how good Ovechkin has been. And my hot take is that he will continue this dominance late in his career, finish with the most goals in NHL history, and go down all time as a better player than Sid. Believe it or not. Yes, I do believe it. I'm coming with you on this one. I think he's going to do it. He looks so good still. Like, he is still, his shot is still one of the best in the league. And... I think when it comes to something like that, like goal scoring, it does slow down as you get older, but he's like so naturally good at it that I think he's going to continue to produce. And I mean, he had a hat trick the other night. Like, isn't he still, he's in first, I think, in goals now, or is Dreisaitl still ahead of him? They're like one, two. They're really close. But... Yeah. Dreisaitl's at 20 and Ovi's at 19. Like, That's crazy. he's going to put up 50 this year again if he doesn't get hurt, which puts him in great shape to beat the record. Um, in which I think if he does, he has to go down in history as better than Crosby. Um, I think Crosby's last three, four years with concussions and stuff has really hurt his chance of kind of going ahead of Ovi in the all-time greats. Yeah, people forget how good, people will forget how good Crosby was in his prime, but, you know, it's kind of like the recency bias thing taking into effect. And, you know, on the Ovi point, like, that guy is built for a long career. Like, you can tell he has the mindset of, like, a 21-year-old out there. He's built like a Mack truck. I don't think his body's going to wear down maybe similar to Sid's. And um, he's still producing, and he's like, what, 36, 37 years old? It's pretty incredible. So I don't know. I thought that was a hot take. It may not be as hot as I think now that we kind of talked it through. But uh, it hurts it. It pains me as a Canadian, as a Crosby fan, you know, growing up for all those years. That that was such a good rivalry for basically the last, like, 12 years of our hockey fandom. Yeah, we watched a lot of Crosby growing up, right? Like, we were pretty big fans. And, and I will say this. I still think Crosby's a better hockey player than Ovechkin. Like, all around, everything. Like, he's he in their prime, he was way better, I think. But the way he plays does make your body kind of deteriorate faster, right? Like, he's a very, not gritty player, but he's such a hard worker. He's in the corners. He's fighting. Whereas Ovi kind of just... <laughs> For the back, lack of better terms, he kind of floats around until he gets, like, an opportunity to score. Yeah, he throws hits and stuff like that, but he's not in the corners digging around, usually. He's he's there floating. Kind of. He doesn't he doesn't move <laughs> unless he's in the offensive zone or has the puck on his stick. Yeah, yeah but and he is a Mack truck. He is in such good shape, I think, for, for a guy that's that old. So, no, I think it's a good take, Matt. I, I'm agreeing with you on it. Awesome. A lot better reception on the takes this time around than the first time. I don't know if you agreed with any of mine last episode, but you know, well, glad- your worst take of your worst take of them all has been Magnia Paki or whatever. His we'll name see, is. man. I can't just, even say his name. Just wait for the headlines to come out over the next six weeks of him ripping it up in Calgary, 
you know, deserving a spot. And you never know, man. One of those old forwards that you're hyping up, like Steven Stamkos, may get injured and be out of be out of contention for uh, that fourth line position spot. So we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, like a guy like Tavares too. He's similar to to Stamkos. Like, what does he really bring for that fourth line, right? Or if he is on that fourth line, I don't know. Like, oh. maybe right having a younger guy that can skate a bit better and is a little more, you know, on the puck, that might be better for them. So yeah, I agree. Bring in the youth. It's time, I think. It's not, as as we mentioned before, those decisions aren't going to make or break your roster. It's probably going to be more about line matching and who ends up playing with McDavid and, and who ends up playing with Crosby and those guys. But it'll be so much fun to watch. I'm excited. But I think, yeah, that probably wraps up the episode, Jay. We covered a lot. I think we got through a lot of the headlines. Kind of hyped up, you know, a few things coming, Olympics coming and everything like that. But any closing thoughts here? No, it was it was a fun episode. It was it was good to talk again, and there was a lot of topics. So the the last you know forty minutes or so just kind of flew by. Um, but I guess looking forward, we're probably going to put out another episode before Christmas. Is that the plan? We'll see. You know, we like to keep our listeners on the on their toes. We'll just drop them out of nowhere. We have no consistency with our episodes, but I love it. That's just kind of how we roll. So we'll see when the next one comes out. But hey, if you're listening this far into the episode, I'm sure. I'm sure you'd probably want to see another one before Christmas. So Yeah, maybe we'll do a Christmas special. We'll throw a new segment in or something. 100% we will. And we'll also have to give you guys you know, our Olympic preview. We'll probably dedicate a whole episode to that at the end of January. So a lot to look forward to with the podcast. Shout out to anyone who has Standing Room Only in their Spotify or Apple Music wrapped you know, of the year. We appreciate you guys listening. That's crazy that we're in anyone's top five, but I've seen it once or twice here. So, hey, thanks for listening along, and we'll continue to put out some some very subpar content for you. <laughs> yeah, and remember, go like and follow everything we got. What is it? Standing, at standing room only underscore pod, I think, on Instagram. So, yeah, go get yeah, us a Yeah, you'll follow. find us there. Yeah. Awesome. All right, well, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, thanks, Matt.